0: This is Appalachian Vibes. I'm your host, Amanda Baki. Appalachian Vibes is an opportunity to challenge the expectations and highlight the diversity of music created in the Appalachian region. Production support for Appalachian Vibes comes from Fret Mill Music Company and Lawrence C. Musgrove Associates. This week, my guests are Touchdown Tommy Edwards a Virginia Tech football star turned country musician after a traumatic head injury, Blacksburg Acoustic Roots artist L.P. Kelly, and this week we take a peek into the art of fire, flow, and sideshows with Spooky and Crow Sideshow Act and Jake and Siler Newt, a fire flow performance and father-son duo in Appalachia.
1: My name is Tommy Edwards. Uh, I play um, Appalachian blues, Southern rock. I play guitar, mandolin, banjo. I was raised in Radford, Virginia, born in the same hospital my parents were born in. My grandfather was the town barber.
0: Tell me what Pilgrim's Passage is about.
2: Um, Pilgrim's Passage is about uh, the maladaptive coping mechanisms that we sometimes fall into as artists, specifically, I mean, just as human beings, but more so in the arts community. I think it's a, just a comorbid thing with mental, mental health. Typically, way, way to deal with the chaos of, of our 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 world's just not conducive to to creatives. We don't jive well with the uh, normal, hmm. you know, the rat race.
0: In what ways do you feel like you don't jive with the with the world?
2: Um. Well, uh it doesn't make sense a lot for the most part. There's, uh, there's, it's just one big logical fallacy. <laughs> um. Just the structure of, uh, you know, government and hierarchical top-down kind of caste system, essentially. You know, just greed. It just comes down to greed. Our needs are different than that of the corporation. (laughs) You know, they need us to do things that aren't human. It falls at odds with with life. So what are
0: some of the lyrics to this song?
2: The devil sells heartaches in little plastic bags. Spending all my money—it's just a drag. It's just a drag, you know. And it's um, you know it's drug addiction, whether it's uh, the, opi- the opioid just epidemic that we have going on, or crystal meth, or cocaine, or pharmaceuticals, whatever, whatever whatever poison is. You know, people exercise too much too. You know, I mean, they we get addicted to things. And it becomes maladaptive when it when it's when it's not healthy. Some people can have a couple drinks and that's fine. Other people have to kind of uh, avoid stuff altogether, you know. And that's that's just their way of managing life. You know, it's, it comes down to uh, managing the traumas that we're dealt.
3: The devil sells heartaches in. And- Little plastic bags I'm spending all my money This life is just a drag It's just a drag It's just a drag I'm up most every evening Till the sun is shining bright I'm searching for the answers In the wrong and in the right Every night Every night The path is dark and dusty And the shadows lurk about A pilgrim on a passage Full of fear and full of doubt A preacher and a peddler And a singer and a fool Searching for salvation And breaking every rule Gone and made my mind up I'm gonna see the world Gonna seize the moment And give it all the world This little world This little world Sweet Maggie dear, I'm leaving I'm gonna catch a train Gonna make my fortune, or I'm gonna go insane, or I'll go insane. I'll go insane. The path is dark and dusty, and the shadows lurk about. A pilgrim on a passage full of fear and full of doubt. A preacher and a peddler and a singer and a fool. Searching for salvation and breaking every rule. Going down to Nashville, I'm gonna be a star. Gonna play the Opry, come home in a big black car, a country star. big rock star The path is dark and dusty And the shadows lurk about A pilgrim on a passage Full of fear, full of doubt A preacher and a peddler And a singer and a fool Searching for salvation And breaking every rule Devil sells heartaches In little plastic bags I'm spending all my money This life's just a drag It's just a drag It's just a drag It's just a drag It's just a drag drag.
1: Went, went to college at Virginia Tech on a football scholarship. Followed in my dad's footsteps. And, um, he and I were the first father-son combination to score rushing touchdowns in a bowl game in NCAA history. I had a, you know, a lot of success there, and also it gave me some brain damage. And uh, caused me some caused me pretty severe depression and anxiety. Read, I led the nation in scoring after the second game of my freshman year for like a little over half the season, by the end of the next year, I was suffering from ma- major anxiety and depression to the point where I um, I just shut down, and, uh, and music was one of the things that um, that saved me. Um, brain brain injury, um, you know, it, it's inherent with the game um, that you hit your head. I was um, a very aggressive um, and explosive running back and linebacker in, in high school as well. Um, so I took a lot of hits, high, high level impact, like in excess of a hundred, 125 up to 150 Gs, which they say 75 will kill somebody. I only had one like actual, like register global concussion that I can remember at that period of time. It was actually after I left tech and went to Boise state. It was the first game where I, I wound up with Warnick's aphasia where I couldn't, Understand what anybody was saying. Kind of, just everybody sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher. And I was on the field, and the next play came up. It was, it was kind of a, a long pause in between because it was the end of the quarter, and they had to cart the guy I knocked off off the field. That that when I gave myself a concussion, my brain rewired itself before the next play. And within a week or two, I started ruminating poetry, and then that turned into music.
0: So, your gift for music came from a head injury.
1: Yep, and, and probably you know, a, a, like a, a, an accumulation of them, and then uh, and just life, you know, hardship. That, that's I mean, I, I was in a band in high school and tried to write music, but there was just I didn't have enough depth of life experience to uh, to draw from.
2: Crystal May is a uh, it's a, a euphemism. For crystal meth it's a uh love song to substances
0: so yeah. did you struggle with drug addiction
2: um i i struggled with uh usage yeah times you know and, and like it, a lot of it's the circles you know we run in
4: mm-hmm.
2: and being music it's uh, it's one of the most prevalent things you know it started actually when i was in high school probably But just alcohol, you know. And then uh, through college, you know, got introduced to some drugs and stuff.
3: Crystal May, you are my saving grace. You come to me each and every day to ease the pain of this world surrounding me. You come to me like a soft and gentle breeze. Come a little closer, see what you've been missing, son I've got a little treat for you, let's have a little fun Somewhere in the distance like fading melody The world comes rushing in around as rude as it can be Another day, another dollar earned another way. Another lesson learned about this world And the truth surrounding me You call me out Like the sirens when they sing Come a little closer See what you've been missing, son Got a little treat for you Let's have a little fun Somewhere in the distance Like a fading melody Throat comes rushing in around as rude as it can be Crystal May will sing amazing grace to my sweet ears When she calls my name to ease the pain Of this world surrounding me Come to me like a soft and gentle breeze Dark and dusty evening soon will fade to gray And the dawning of a new day Then you leave me in the morning with my face down in my hands Then it's off to hell I go again Then it's off to hell I go again Crystal May, you are my saving grace to come to me Each and every day to ease the pain of this world surrounding me, you come to me like a soft and gentle breeze. Crystal May, you are my saving grace, you come to me each and every day to ease the pain of this world surrounding me, you come to me like a soft and gentle breeze. Crystal May, Crystal May, Crystal May, Crystal May, Crystal May,
2: Crystal May, Crystal May. I mean, I woke up famous when I was when I was 19 one morning, and like I, I mean, I was regional famous from from high school. I was, I it, they're at Radford, but, um, suddenly it was like national, uh, you know, it was, I led the nation in scoring for the entire, all of college football for about half a season. But that morning I was, I was freshman in college. Wow. So, was, uh, yeah.
0: well, so what did that do to you?
2: That was, uh, that was, that was, it was a, a life lesson in, uh, in what not to do. And, uh, who, and who's who, who's, who, who's there, uh, for you and who's there because you're social currency, you know, like the fame thing and just being aligned with it or, you know, it's just weird. You know, when, and I, I definitely understand why, uh, like, uh, child stars have a difficult time transitioning into to adulthood, you know? And uh, it's like right there on the precipice of adulthood, and, you know. You get hit with uh, stalkers and, and people. Do that... you
0: have any stalkers?
2: Oh yeah, my fr- first one. I was actually a freshman in high school, and then by the time I was a senior in high school, I had like multiple s- stalkers. Like, like there's this one guy. that was it was an adult from
0: Bristol, just because of playing football, just because of your talent, you were people were stalking you
2: yeah it was weird how, to be, how to far your, did it go you want to be your buddy to the point where i was uh i would be uncomfortable when i went to the to the to the games it was okay. when i was in high school and, and and during the game if i had to go to the restroom i'd have to like go out and like peek around the corners and look and, and be kind of like swift with my movements and stuff and avoid. You
4: know. What
0: about uh? What about once you got into college and you were, you know, nationally famous?
2: Well, that, that was one of those things where I was relatively aloof to, to just how you know how how much awareness there was because I was shit. I was nineteen, you know. I was just just partying and trying to you know keep my grades and uh, and also like practice and play this sport that's you know like a forty to sixty hour job where, where you're also in the the equivalent of like six car wrecks a week, you know, just from the G forces that you subject yourself to. And as a running back, I would more so than a lot lot of different positions.
0: What do you have to say to anyone who's listening that plays, that plays a contact sport like football?
2: Well, I'd say uh, it's uh, good to have insight into the dangers of what you're, of what you're um, subjecting yourself to. I think that um, I personally think that, that it should be illegal for children to play contact sports because, uh, you know, they have civil rights and they have the right to develop into an adult prior to allowing, uh, you know, short sighted adults to consent for them to participate in basically brain bashing. You know, where, where you you know, it, 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 it hamstrings them for life. You know, I know, I was having symptoms of CTE as early as eighth grade with depression and and then migraines and stuff in high school, and college. And, um, I have, currently have stage four symptoms, which is like, there's like four.
0: Wow. Yeah.
2: So, I'm, you know, six, six years ago, I had brain scans done and the neurologist thought she had the wrong pictures. She said, typically somebody with the amount of brain damage I have live in a nursing home. Like I said, my music and, and art it helps helps me kind of keep balance and stuff. And um it's helped me heal.
3: Song about the South Put it in a letter, send it off to the White House. I rolled it up and smoked it down. Sick and tired of this little town like a bird in a cave. Myself a brand new truck. Yeah, look at
4: that.
3: I got been drunk and I smashed it up. Well, I can't stand to drive it now. It reminds me of this little town. I've been searching. Yeah. And I've been wandering. been hurting these days like a bird in a cage
4: a bird in a cage
3: like a bird in a cage a, bird in a cage well I watched you walk away I watched you board that plane to LA said you Never leave our hometown But you're up and gone And I'm still around I wrote a song about myself I put it in a letter And sent it to the board of mental health And sent me back this night reply Crazy, we all know you're crazy no, I've been hurting yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been hurting
0: Appalachian Vibes Music Festival is presented by Fretmill Music Company. Taking place over Labor Day weekend at Mountain Valley Brewing in Axton, Virginia. Three days of local regional bands, vendors, fire dancers, and more. Learn more at AppalachianVibes.net. Appalachian Vibes is brought to you by Fretmill Music Company. Offering stringed instruments from makers such as Taylor, Martin Breedlove, and Huston Dalton. Open seven days a week. Fretmill Music also takes consignments. Learn more at fretmill.com. Production support for Appalachian Vibes is made possible by Lawrence C. Musgrove Associates Incorporated, providing administrative services for pension, annuity, health, and welfare plans since 1977. Lawrence C. Musgrove Associates, musgroveassoc.com.
5: This episode of Appalachian Vibes is also brought to you by Lawrence C. Musgrove Associates Incorporated, providing quality and trusted administrative services for pension, annuity, health, and welfare plans since 1977. Our team of experienced professionals delivers customized solutions to meet the requirements of your benefit plan. Call us at 1-800-552-6972.
0: You're listening to Appalachian Vibes. I'm your host, Amanda Baki. My next guest is LP Kelly, a roots musician from Blacksburg, Virginia.
6: My name's Liam Kelly. I, I perform as LP Kelly. Um the style of music that I play, I kind of veers between the ditches of of American Roots music.
0: Where were you raised?
6: Well, so that's kind of a weird question. Um, so I, I was a Navy brat so i was born on a naval base in california and lived a lot of places Um, i did junior high and high school in in central pennsylvania Um, i'm near harrisburg pennsylvania so that's kind of where i'm from i guess Um, that's where my parents live and where my dad retired but um, i've I've lived in virginia I'm, i'm in blacksburg virginia now i've lived here since 2002 so this is this is home but I'm not, you know, from here in the Appalachian sense of being from a place.
0: Um, Pennsylvania now, um, the the Appalachian Mountains reach reach to Pennsylvania.
6: The the, the Appalachian Mountains <laughs> reach into Pennsylvania. So the it, Appalachian,
0: yeah, what are you talking that's,
6: about? That's so yeah. So the the part of Pennsylvania that that my folks live in. Um, is is pretty close to the Appalachian Trail but they call it the Appalachian Trail up there. And yeah, so it's it's kind of where where Appalachia meets the Rust Belt, is sort of where my where my folks live.
0: Let's hear about heaven ain't heaven.
6: You know, that the hook, the chorus heaven ain't heaven is is kind of I don't know, about I guess about having the world at your disposal but it not being worth as much if you're not sharing it with with people you care about in in some way. Um, so if I had to, if I had to put a bow on the song, I guess that's, that's where it comes from and where it, where it goes. A couple of years prior to, to putting this record out, I spent a year living in a, in a van, living in a camper van and, and just traveling the country, uh, doing music stuff. I was kind of alternating between visiting friends, uh, playing music and, and going on big hikes. So that that particular song is kind of a chronicle of the year that I spent living in the van and, and traveling, you know, to California and back a, a couple of times. So there's a you know, each verse is kind of a, a vignette of a different place that I spent some time. So there's a verse about hanging out in the Mississippi Delta, there's a verse about uh, the Pacific Northwest and the Redwood Forest, there's a verse about Uh, the Utah desert and and Zion and kind of the big desert valleys out there. Um, And the song sort of follows the narrator through each of those, those places.
0: It sounds a little bit like uh, this, this solitude and it sounds a little bit like you might drive yourself crazy.
6: Well, I think one could, and last year was weird, right? For everybody. Um, But, you know, last year in particular was, you know it's when i was finishing the mixing on this record and i was doing that here at home and i could easily go 4 or 5 days and not see anybody and not hear another voice except for my voice that i was mixing on the album and yes that will make you insane and did it
0: get a little weird listening to yourself over yeah, and over course. and over again and then being alone and then the just the isolation from the planet at that time
6: yeah, it gets super weird, and and you get you get super. I don't know if critical is the right word, but just super aware. Like you say, when you record, and you don't like the way you inflected a particular word, and you know if you're mixing the vocal, you're just maybe listening to one verse over and over again. And sure, it definitely can make you a little bit crazy. I've
5: lain in lonesome graveyards on the Mississippi Delta By the stones of fellows I have longed to meet And I've walked among the cotton Underneath an endless skyline The echoes of the blues beneath my feet I've traveled to the south And I've traveled to the west And I've traveled where the streets are paved with gold I'm headed to the east just to hold you to my breast because heaven just ain't heaven all alone. On the shores of the Pacific, California, Redwood Forest, i sat and counted waves upon the sea. And a single human lifetime seems reduced to just a pinpoint Crushed between the ocean and the trees I've traveled to the south and I've traveled to the west And I've traveled where the streets are paved with gold Now I'm headed to the east just to hold you to my breast Because heaven just ain't heaven all alone Valley From the cliff sides where the angels come to rest And standing there among that host I hung my head and cried For the only angel that I love
0: Like there's a theme, Um, coffee for one.
6: Yeah. So coffee for one is the, it's the eighth track on love songs for loners. I remember that I wrote it while I was driving up the Susquehanna Valley through central Pennsylvania. I don't remember where I was living, but I remember being in my car and driving up the river. I wrote it kind of with it, with a friend of mine in mind, who's this sort of like me, probably pathologically independent person um, who's made a pretty good life for herself. Yeah, an anthem. I don't know if anthem is really what it is, um, but a an homage, I suppose, to being independent, being alone, being good with that.
0: Can you uh, share some of the lyrics that are the most compelling to you in coffee, for one?
6: Ooh, yeah, so I probably need to do that without getting myself in too much trouble. Um, what so, do you mean? Well, so my, my mom got a little... Been upset about about that. I think people people think whenever you write a song that it's autobiographical, and and it always is to some extent because you're the one writing it. But most of the songs on the album are not actually about me. Most of them are about other people that I know, and I happen to be the writer. But um, there's there's the one line in the song that that says uh, there ain't nothing wrong with making coffee for one. My mother thinks that I'm a loser, but I think that I've won. And oh. it was it was kind of kind of a little bit of a, a jab at sort of this this expectation that, that you know, if you're not married and settled down and have a family that you've somehow missed out, that you've, lost. you know, you've lost the opportunity. And uh, so in that song, I'm really trying to flip that over and say, like, you've created all these other opportunities for yourself. There ain't nothing wrong with doing nothing at all in the cool of the morning of the early fall, like getting to sit in a hammock in your yard and, not have anybody looking over your shoulder is is a victory for a lot of people. And uh mm-hmm. so I'm sort of trying to celebrate that in, in this song.
0: Oh, is that kind of do you see relationships in, in that kind of light? Like um, like maybe marriage is more surveillance.
6: Right. I think I think the point is that that you get to decide what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think up until I don't know. Probably at least the 1960s or 1970s in in the U.S. Right, the standard model was you get married, you have the kids, you have the nuclear family, and anything outside of that was considered lesser. Um, and I think I think we're I think in reality we've broken that now. I think that is certainly in reality the exception rather than the rule. Most of us don't do it that way. Some of us never get married at all. Some of us get married four times, um, and all of those are totally valid ways to be a family and have a home life. But I think there's still this cultural paradigm of the two parent household with the kids. And so that's still, I think the baseline expectation for a lot of people, even though almost nobody actually does it that way anymore. Um, so I, I think what I'm, what I'm trying to do with that song is, is to blow that up a little bit. Um, I don't have, any beef with marriage. I've never done it myself, but I got nothing against the idea, but I've also got nothing against the idea of never doing it. Um, I feel like if you find the right thing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you find the right thing and it works for you for as long as it works for you, then great. And if that's 50 years, cool. And if that's five months, that doesn't necessarily mean it was a bad idea. Um, You know, I think we all kind of have to pay attention to what we need, what another person needs, what our children need, what our community needs at any given time and make good choices in light of that. And, uh, and those choices are going to be different for everybody based on their circumstances and and what they have to give and and what they need to take.
0: So do you feel like you've had to kind of fight this expectation and that you, you've had to develop an identity out outside of what this societal Expectation is
6: so I will say in my case, yes, um for for pretty specific reason, despite all the moving that we did, i I was always in conservative Christian educational settings. Um I went to conservative christian school. Uh, the the only class that I ever failed was was in my my senior year of high school. there was a class called Christian family, and you had to the whole course was structured around you know how to how to be like a nuclear Christian family with the man as the head of the household and the woman as the help me and all that stuff that, that comes with that particular worldview and, and some of the baggage with that, that, that didn't work for me. And it does work for some people. And again, I have no, I have no beef with that. Um, but I certainly came into my adult life with that as the, as the expectation and, and the bar. Um, and I don't think I was ever, really going to run with that because it was never going to work for me. Uh, but I feel like, yeah, I, I had to do a lot of justifying those choices. Um, you know, mostly probably to, to family members. Uh, you know, I left the church pretty much as soon as I was able to leave home. But, uh, you know, you still, if that's if that's the only model you've been given, you've got to find out what the other models are. Uh, and that it's the experience of, of living in the world and meeting people who are different than the ones you grew up with. And you kind of find out that, oh, there's all these other ways to be and all these other ways to do things. And, um, you know, I think learning that is the process of growing up.
5: There ain't nothing wrong with making coffee for one In the warmth and the stillness of the noonday sun ain't nothing wrong with doing nothing at all in the cool of the morning or the early
4: fall
5: well I don't mind sleeping all alone at night pulling down the blinds keeping out the morning light There ain't nothing wrong with having too much fun My mother thinks that I'm a loser But I think that I've won I'm rolling like a river And I'm blowing like the breeze I got the whole damn day to do whatever I please And I don't mind Sleeping all alone at night Pulling down the blinds Keeping out the morning light Selfish about dance until two I can do me and you can do you You got your kids and your dogs and your color TV You can do you and I'll do me Well I don't mind Sleeping all alone at night, pulling down the blinds, keeping out the morning light. And I don't care if you think that I ain't living right, cause I ain't scared. And happiness ain't black and white. There ain't nothing wrong with making coffee for one In the warmth and the stillness of the noonday sun And there ain't nothing wrong with doing nothing at all In the cool of the morning of the early fall
6: So I I moved to... Virginia as a graduate student in 2002. uh, And I was in the uh, philosophy department at Virginia Tech for a while, uh, working on on finishing my master's thesis, a bunch of years back. Um, And it's kind of like with finishing a record, it's one of those things you want it to be good. And so you keep revising it and keep revising it and keep working at it. And eventually, you have to just give up and, and let it go. And so one of the best pieces of advice I got, and I promise this will get back to the song in a second, was from one of my committee members who who told me, she said, not everything worth doing is worth doing well. And
0: <laughs> Usually, it's, anything worth doing is worth doing well.
6: Right. But you're saying it's,
0: not everything worth doing is worth doing well. Right.
6: She gave me the inverse yeah, of that. Okay. She said, not everything worth doing is worth doing well. In other words, there are some things that are worth doing, but not necessarily. They don't have to be perfect. Sometimes good enough is good enough, and you move on to the next thing, um, you know. And so she she gave me that advice in the context of my master's thesis, you know, telling me in effect, just get the damn thing done and get it out the door and move on to the next phase of your career. Um, which was the right advice, you know. It was done enough for what it needed to be. Um, was it good? I don't know. Did it matter? Probably not. Um, so. So it, it got is me. Is anyone
0: pulling up your master's thesis and, and
4: contacting right. has, you? No has anybody looked <laughs> at it? Right. Has anyone
6: ever looked at that thing since I yeah. defended for the degree? Like no. maybe somebody did, but no, it's sitting in a library at Virginia Tech somewhere gathering dust. So, mm-hmm. which is probably where it belongs. Um, so I got to, you know, I was writing songs for the new record and, and that, that particular line had stuck in my head. Um, from my thesis advisor, not everything worth doing is worth doing well. And, uh, so I, I sort of took a, a playful spin on that and thought about that in terms of, of relationships, kind of like we are talking about earlier, you know, the fact that a marriage doesn't last until you die doesn't necessarily, we call that a failed marriage. Yeah. I say that's a bunch of crap. That's not necessarily a failed marriage. That could have been an amazingly successful marriage that lasted as long as it needed to for those people. And then they moved on to the next thing. And, and I, you know, or you could have, you could have a really satisfying one night stand that did everything you needed it to do in that moment. And maybe that's enough. Maybe that's as good as it needed to be for whatever that thing was. So, so I'm playing with that in kind of a tongue in cheek, playful way in that song. So, you know, the, that song is about starting a relationship with the expectation that it will crash and burn. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's not worth doing.
0: You know um, what? What a, what a brilliant way. I think we've been going about relationships the wrong way. <laughs> From the time I was a little girl, I was taught, one day there's going to be this one person who changes your whole life And everything is turned upside down and you will fall in love with this person and it will last forever. And, and that's the idea that I think we're taught from very early. Like I ruined it or I, you know, or I'm a failure or this was a failure or I'm a bad picker because, you know, I haven't had one last. And really, you know, the idea of marriage is permanent you know, at least on earth's side, but life is impermanent. We should go about it with the expectation, like this is going to crash and burn and be pleasantly surprised if it doesn't.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or at least be, be okay with the possibility that it may. And, and it's doesn't, it's not a referendum on your value as a person, right? You're not a failed human because you had a relationship that ended. It's like, you know, unless you were, maybe you did horrible things to make it and i'm not saying that nobody ever does wrong because of course they do but um but yeah you know sometimes sometimes good enough is good enough and sometimes you finish your thesis and it goes in the library and you move on and you do the next thing and that's the way it ought to be sometimes
5: Mandy the end.
0: Production support for Appalachian Vibes comes from Spot On Point of Sale. To learn more, go to SpotOn.com. Support for Appalachian Vibes also comes from the Quality in Dutch Inn, located off Highway 220 in Collinsville, Virginia, less than 8 miles from the Martinsville Speedway. Under new ownership, management, and it's being renovated from the ground up. Go to ChoiceHotels.com to learn more. Brett Mill Music Company is Southwest Virginia's premier destination for quality acoustic instruments and accessories since 1979. We stock new used and vintage instruments, including acoustic, electric and bass guitars, effects, amplifiers, ukuleles, mandolins, banjos, and more. Come check out our selection today. Fretmill Music Company is located in downtown Roanoke at 21 Salem Avenue Southeast. Give them a call at 540-982-6686. This is Appalachian Vibes. I'm your host, Amanda Bakke. One of our goals on Appalachian Vibes is to highlight the diversity of artists we have in the Appalachian region. I have a few special guests today. Spooky and Crow sideshow act and Jake and Tyler Newt, a father and son fire flow performance duo.
7: My name is Crow. Uh, I started out with contact staff and eventually moved into fire eating, which is where I met Spooky actually. And then from there, went into developing fire breathing and more sideshow acts, such as human pincushion, class eating, uh, class walking human blockhead,
8: that sort of thing. And then um, I'm spooky and sort of similar. I've been in some sort of performing arts pretty much since I popped out of the womb. I started with uh, dance, actually, mostly, and then moved into fire eating and fire breathing in my late teens, early 20s. Sideshow wise, I do um, primarily human pincushion, do glass walking, um, have started doing a cinder block smash on my stomach. And we've actually got a couple of other acts coming up that we're going to be revealing soon as well. So we're excited about that.
0: <laughs> so, so you guys are certainly immersed in, in the sideshow world. Um, I have a feeling our, our listeners, however, probably don't know what most of these titles mean. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Why don't you share with us um, first how um, to crow? How do you how do you get started in wanting to eat fire? Is this like some kind of obsession? It started out small, and then it turned into this like really wacky thing that you love to do?
7: Um, actually, it started out with something that I had seen uh, at a music festival, and at first it was like, there's no way I could ever do that, that's terrifying, um, I just, I could never do that, and slowly I was like, yeah, that's really cool, I think I'm gonna do that, and then I heard about Spooky's Workshop, and just happened to have the money, and it was like, you know what, I'll go for it.
0: What was this performance that you saw?
7: Uh, it was actually her and her fire partner, uh, Fire Hat Phil. He's the ringleader for Cirque de Flame. Uh, they had a partner act that was multi-prop, fire eating and fire breathing, and that was the first thing that inspired me.
0: And so, you were actually the person spooky that that he saw.
8: Yeah, apparently. I was kind of surprised to learn that later on, but um, he actually, uh, through my uh, fire partner, Phil, had found that I was teaching fire eating workshops and uh, said, you know, hey, bring this guy on. I promise you he's not an idiot. (laughs) And it uh, kind of made history from there.
0: That has to be an important quality, not being an idiot.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Definitely, there's a lot of, you know, when, uh, especially when you start getting into bigger and more dangerous acts, That it's really important to have quick decision making skills, a good sense of logic, and an ability to follow directions, as well as to be able to stay calm. Uh, I think it's really important as well. But you know, if something goes wrong, for one, you kind of don't want to relay that to your audience because you don't want to ruin the magic for them. But at the same time, you still want to handle things in a way that's going to keep you and your property and your audience safe. without really letting it on to anybody so it definitely requires a a certain set of thinking skills and critical reasoning and all of that
0: so how did you get started in this
8: um kind of goes way way back from when I was a really little child my aunt was a clown and so I sort of had a love of circus arts from there just to begin with I've always done some kind of performance I was always heavily into dance heavily into singing heavily into music as I got older when um I got into college, I was part of a group called Social Change for Women in the late 90s. And we were putting on an event called Take Back the Night, which is kind of a um, awareness for like domestic violence and that sort of thing. It was a big rally and we had performers and stuff. And somebody pops up one day and goes, hey, I know this old sideshow lady and she's going to come out here and teach us all how to eat and breathe fire. Who wants to learn? Well, that sounds fantastic. Let's do that. And so I started there.
0: This came out of a just an introduction through take back the night? Was this like, um, an empowerment exercise?
8: Definitely. It was sort of a, definitely like a taking back your female energy kind of thing of like, I mean, what's more powerful than being able to harness fire from your face?
0: (laughs) How have you changed since being introduced to, to fire breathing and then all of these other things that have spawned from that?
8: Ooh, that's a great question. I think, um, I've really kind of just come into my own more as a performer, like you said, like, I mean, we sort of made ourselves the main people in the act, um, as opposed to more of like a side thing, not that we don't perform for like a sideshow type style anyway, but um, I've really come to, I got into burlesque dance later on, and so I've really incorporated, incorporated that a lot into what we do. I want it to be sexy, but I sort of want to like disgust you at the same time. And I like that mixed emotions that I can get out of my audience. So I feel like I've changed from like, this is just a one thing I know how to do more for myself uh, to more of a stage show, something where I'm thinking more about what my audience is feeling when they watch our routine.
0: So you, you mentioned a ton of different skills. Have you ever actually invented a skill?
8: Ooh, um, I do have an act that I did not invent, but I was given permission to do from the fire performer who did um, invent it. And I am the only woman in the world who does it. I will actually breathe fire off of a um, six inch long lit safety pin that is put through my cheek and closed. So I am physically tethered to the fire. If, you know, if something goes wrong, you can't just pull this off of me. It's through my skin attached through my face. Um, So I'm the only female in the world who does that. You
0: stick a six inch safety pin through your cheek.
8: Yes.
7: (laughs) Should I go grab it? (laughs)
8: <laughs> yeah, you well. yeah go ahead yeah, he's gonna grab it we'll show it to you sure um yeah how um
0: how do you get the courage to to do something that's clearly going to be very painful
8: I mean it's definitely I think almost all of sideshow to a certain degree is a lot of mind over matter because Um, Unlike, say, like a magic act, which can certainly be dangerous. I'm not going to say magic can't be dangerous, but you're creating an illusion. Most of sideshow is straight up very real. Uh, So, you know, when I say I'm putting that safety pin through my skin, it's really going through my skin. Um, You know, if we're walking on glass, we are definitely really walking on glass. It is sharp. If you're chewing glass, it's actual glass. We usually break a light bulb right in front of you. But it's very much a mind over matter type of thing.
9: My name is Jacob Newt, also known as Jake. Uh, I do fire performing with uh, the Devil Sticks and Rope Dart, and I just started doing fire breathing not too long ago as well.
0: Are you considered a flow art performer?
9: Yeah, a flow artist, a flow art performer for sure, yeah. Um, I guess that started when I was like 13 or so. And uh, I was on a band trip for school, and one of the drummers from the drum line had a set of flower sticks. He was juggling. And I looked at him, and I was like, man, I can totally do that. And uh, he's like, yeah. So he handed them to me. And I started juggling. I was pretty good at it. So I picked up a set and uh, started juggling. So that was when I was like, I don't know, 13, 14, something like that. I was at a music festival in 2018, and I saw a guy. He was juggling devil sticks on fire, and I was like, man, I've seen a set of flower sticks. I've never seen them on fire, though. And he told me how to get into doing the fire flow with that, and uh, that's kind of how I got started.
0: What are devil sticks?
9: Oh, a devil stick. Okay, it's actually one of the oldest Chinese circus toys, (laughs) and uh, it's... It's basically just a smooth stick. It's tapered. Traditionally, it's tapered down to the center, and you've got two hand sticks, and you juggle the center stick that's tapered to the center. A circus toy. And then the rope dart is actually one of the oldest martial arts weapons that's known. It's uh, traditionally like a two-inch double-sided blade that they would sling around and uh, try to impale you and and hurt you with that. And we've just adapted it to... uh, be a more performing dance type. And I mean, there's some, some martial arts type moves to it. And you have like a state of flow. And I mean, every artist has a state of flow. I mean, even musicians Like, you watch a guy's up on stage and he, his eyes are completely shut and he's just into his guitar and he's in that state of flow, you know, and he's jamming out, you know, that's, that's a state of flow. And then, I mean, the painter who's just painting and you can talk to him and they're totally oblivious that you're even in the room.
4: My name's Siler, Siler Newt, and I do staff. It's basically just like a stick that you twirl around. It's fun and a lot of people enjoy it. So when I hear them yelling, uh, I just get super happy.
0: What's the most important safety rule?
4: That you always need to be like right next to the fire blanket
9: he put a fire out on uh there was a a prop that didn't get spun off properly and uh it some fuel transferred to my leg and uh he he brought the blanket and put my my leg out it was it was my jeans
4: yeah i knew what to do so i just went straight at it tell us about your next performance
9: i will be at the appalachian vibes music festival so we've got a vending booth that uh, my wife and kids and I will all be there doing part of the day. And in the night and towards the evening, we're going to do fire performing. So I've got my eight-year-old son, Siler. Uh, he really likes to do the staff. And he's, he's big on safety.
0: All right, Jake and Siler, we can't wait to see you guys at the Appalachian Vibes Music Festival. To get your tickets, go to AppalachianVibes.net. Production support for Appalachian Vibes comes from Fretmill Music Company, a Martin, Huston Dalton Taylor, and Breedlove Guitar Showroom, and from Lawrence C. Musgrove Associates, a third-party administrator. I'm your host, Amanda Bakki. If you'd like to learn more about this week's artist, head over to AppalachianVibes.net. You can nominate an artist or catch up on past episodes.